Well, good morning, friends. I'm glad you could be with me today as we're in God's Word together again. We're in the midst of a study in the Unfolding the Word ministry of 1 John, that first epistle of John. We're in the third chapter now in our study, and over the last several days, we've been looking at a portion of the third chapter, basically verses 7 to 10, that have been introducing us to the issue of being born anew and the transforming things that happen in a person's life as a product of having been born anew. Let me read the verses to get started into our study again. Verse 7 of chapter 3. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. We've been talking about orientations of life, what the habit pattern of life is all about. How is one's practice? And the third chapter has been introducing us to the reality that there's a fundamental change in life orientation, a fundamental change in the basic practice of a life that emerges from coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. When someone turns to Christ as Savior, repents of their sin, and rests in what Christ has done for them, God says that he changes us. And part of that change in us turns our deepest inclination to want to live like Christ. Oh, we still stumble at times, and we've talked much about that so far in 1 John. But there's been a fundamental change in our orientation. We want to grow. We are miserable when we don't grow. We are guilty in a way that the non-Christian doesn't feel when we're not surrendered to the Lord Jesus and not wanting to grow, all of that is the product of having come to know Christ. The issue is, what is the habitual path being followed by a person? Satan's great intention is to get people into a habitual practice of sin. And now you remember, sin is lawlessness, as we saw earlier in the third chapter, a determination to be the master of our own life. It's not primarily a question of morality, as much as it is a question of lordship. Of course, there's moral implications that come. Satan wants a person to believe they can call the shots, that they can decide in their own mind what's right for them, instead of bowing the knee before God, letting God be in his rightful place in our life, loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, obeying what he says to do. Satan wants to destroy people, to number one, keep them from ever turning to the Lord, or those who have turned to the Lord to get them so confused that they don't try to grow in that faith. Jesus Christ came, as we read in these verses today, to destroy the work of the devil. We saw that partially that involved his going to the cross his raising from the dead, so that the solution to sin could be found. Part of it involved our new birth. 
And as we saw yesterday in that new birth, God plants the sperma of God, the seed, into us. It transforms us. And one of the things that happens as that seed sprouts within us is that the deepest inclination of our heart now wants to orient toward growth. Delights in the law of God, as Romans 7 puts it. Now in verse 10, and this is a bridge into what's coming up later in the chapter, but it's a way to conclude our study of verses 7 to 10. We learned that our habitual orientation, the pattern of our life, proves our family membership. The backdrop to verse 10 is simple. The Bible says there's only two families in this world, not three. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, family number one is God's family, and no one becomes part of God's family. No one becomes a child of God simply by being born into this world. That's because they are reborn. It's because they've repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a consequence, as John chapter 1 verses 12 to 13 tell us, uh, we, be, we are given the right to be called children of God. We are adopted by God. And as the third chapter opened up of 1 John, what a wonder it is to be part of the family of God. At any rate, there is God's family. Secondly, and that's what we encounter in this verse and other places, there is the enemy's family. And in the enemy's family are all those who are in rebellion against God in their heart. The enemy's family is not characterized only by people involved in witchcraft, not only involved, described, and part of people who are living very immoral lives. It's all the people who are living on their own who are believing in their own mind they have the right and mastery of their life, that they can decide what's right or wrong for them. Two great families, God's family, the enemy's family. Now, deluded mankind pridefully believes there's a third option. Family of God, family of devil, and independent agent. I run my own life. I'm in control of my own life. Pridefully, mankind thinks they are in charge in that respect. But biblically, the Bible says this is a delusion. There are no free agents out there. There are no independent, neutral people. To think we are free merely means we're deceived about the truth of our life. To think we control our destiny without being influenced by or under the control of the enemy of our souls only shows we don't understand what the Bible says about the enemy of our souls. The scripture makes it plain that apart from Christ, a person is controlled, not in control. They are, as the Bible tells us, a slave to sin, first of all, and then secondly, they are an easy target for the deceptions of the enemy because the enemy is greater than us. But thankfully, those who know Christ, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Notice how this reality is put in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, 
correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses, and then listen to these words, and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Those who do not know Christ as Savior are in a position, really, where they're in the snare of the enemy, captured by the enemy. They don't always see themselves that way, but the Bible describes them in that way. Notice how God approaches it slightly differently, but with the same outcome in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe in the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. <laughs> Number sin is lawlessness. The lawless one, the Antichrist, who will eventually come as Satan's pawn in this world, is seeking to foster lawlessness, anomia, within mankind. And those who are in rebellion against God, God says, okay, well, I'll send you a delusion so that Satan, who is trying to capture you to do his will, has a much easier time because you're even deluded about your own condition. God sends a powerful delusion. Well, what's the summary here as we conclude these verses? Well, the Bible makes it plain to us that everyone who has not repented and believed in the gospel is by default in the enemy's family. Because you only get out of that family when you've been born anew and placed through the adopting work of the Lord into his family. And our orientation of life, our lifestyle, our heart, in other words, reveals which family we're really in. An orientation toward lawlessness. Again, that's not moral failure. It's control over your own life instead of surrender before the Lord and trusting his word to guide in your life. A lawless lifestyle disproves a person's claim to be in God's family. Therefore, the real fundamental issue that God is drawing our attention to it is our life pattern, not merely our profession, that shows which family we're in. Jesus, in speaking to the Jews in John chapter 8, verse 44, said this to the Jews who had gathered to hear him. He said, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Speaking to Jews, he says, you're your father, the, the enemy, the devil. The two families, the family of God, which is only entered into by repentance and faith in the gospel, and the family of the enemy. What family are you in today? Well, join me tomorrow, Lord willing, as we continue to look at 1 John. And we'll be seeing a bridge now to talking about the link to family tie in the expressing of agape love. God bless.